0: Hello, Sexy Sunday. It's the best day of the week because I get to share a convo with you about sex, relationships, and being the most free and confident version of yourself. I'm big on making my own rules and normalizing these kinds of conversations because I believe that the more we talk about it, the better sex we're all going to have because it'll be more educated and hornier. We walk around and hardly broach this topic in our normal lives, but I'm trying to change that. This is storytelling that's entertaining as hell, that will leave you laughing and gasping, introducing ideas that'll change you and break you open to celebrating your sexy self. Come with a curious head and brave heart, and let's play. I'm Bonnie Weeks, and this is gonna be fun. The podcast you're about to listen to is from a series called Let's Talk About Sex. The series was originally hosted on my other podcast, Yoga Strong: The Practice of Paying Attention, where I began to realize that, in the definition of yoga being the practice of paying attention, that I really can talk about anything. And I wanted to start having these conversations around sex. That's how this current podcast was born, was because I started to do this series as a monthly thing with my friend Taylor. So Bringing those podcasts here to allow you to enjoy them again or enjoy them for the first time. Welcome. Welcome to let's talk about sex with myself and Taylor. Welcome, Taylor. Thank you. So
1: happy to be back.
0: <laughs> oh Gosh, Those are my favorite, and. I mean, it's not quite as dark this morning, but
1: I'd it's like not, it's there. actually really nice. <laughs> I know we're we,
0: we, we are not recording it, you know, really early like we have been in the past, so it's a good start yeah. to my morning, though. And
1: it is it's definitely you... nice to, to be here, and the sun's popping in through the window, and I'm like, ah, oh, this feels, feels lovely. Send
0: some of that sunshine up here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know what? I think
0: living right here, and I have so many trees at my window that when it's foggy, I can have I have these little windows by my bed, and I can look out these windows, and the fog is like sitting in the trees,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and oh, like it's so why? Why is that so beautiful? I don't know. I love fog. You know me. I love I love fog anytime the fog rolls into Sacramento and it's kind of rare but like my son and I hop in the car and we drive because it's just so it's cinematic it's moody it's it's beautiful I love it
0: it really is is. and it's it is this blanket I don't know it's Mm. it's, it feels a little bit magical to me I think it's
1: Mm -hmm.
0: everything feels a little
1: bit closer Mm. yeah comforting mm-hmm one
0: mm-hmm. well, is like if there was an owl hooing out there like you have no idea where the <laughs> hell that owl is it's just like in the fog like the fog talks to us okay now I'm playing All right, <laughs> now, we're, now we're, we're getting into it welcome to the fog <laughs> yeah
1: everyone's like wait is this podcast on fog <laughs>
0: <laughs> fog okay no I have no I don't know that I've had sex outside in fog but that sounds like it could be a good idea
1: Hmm. It would be magical.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had sex in the rain outside. I did share recently on, on Instagram that I had sex on a paddleboard this past summer. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: sunny. And in the woods, but sunny. I haven't had it in the snow. How about you? What, what's your outdoors? Not in
1: the snow. Not in the snow. Um, outside, in the backyard, in the parking lot. Um, never on a paddleboard um but these are also trying to think of like logistically (laughs) well okay
0: so the paddleboard we'll just we're just going to start right here so the paddleboard um (laughs) we had uh this this the person i was with we had kind of tethered our paddleboards to Ah,
1: uh,
0: a stick and we were like kind of back in this little river area and there were some people kind of around the corner um but the bushes were hiding like eat us from them um but we could definitely hear them and we just wanted to like hang out there so we we're just hanging out there on our paddle boards and then I I kind of was like I think I I wish should have sex on those paddle boards and the the individual I was with said just kind of laughed and then I was like well now <laughs> and so he was he was laying face up on his paddle board and I just yeah. Carefully crawled over to the paddleboard and you just lay there. Like, because I'm like, you can't, I mean, there's you don't want to do very much movement on paddleboard.
1: No. No. <laughs> well, that's why when you said that, I was like, and now I'm imagining hmm like how that is working
0: <laughs> yeah I mean like he doesn't even need to get his pants down every time he just kind of has to lay there and make sure he's yeah. like, a dump not us not moving and
1: yeah no side aside. Like literally stiff as a board right. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally everywhere <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: uh-huh and then I just yeah yep. Yeah. so I I did the I did the work um I did the pleasure did the movement and, and use my, my balance skills. We'll just credit yoga with a little bit of that. And um, yeah, that's great. (laughs) Not fog, not fog, not snow. So I guess this, this should be on my my bucket bucket list. list? (laughs) Yeah. Some snow sex. It's going to be
1: cold. Yeah. I was like, could we incorporate like a blanket? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like maybe well, one of those, maybe one of those that are like waterproof on the bottom, like they have plastic yeah. on the bottom and like fabric oh. on the top. So
0: that I was way it's like. I'm is gonna be a shout out yeah. for Yeti right now. I have this yeah. blanket, and I mean Yeti is not cheap, but dang, like this is the best outdoor blanket I have ever experienced. And I have it's waterproof on one side, and then it's like soft on the top. But it's yeah, so, so it's like. It's so comfortable and it's machine washable
1: and mm-hmm,
0: it doesn't mm-hmm. you know, dry. I, I'm so impressed by it. So yeti.
1: Yeti blanket. Um, if you are planning on yeah. having sex in the snow, go get a yeti blanket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Thank you, Yeti. If you would like to sponsor the podcast on snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, if you've had sex in the snow or the fog, please let us know if you would like and <laughs> we yeah. will put that on our list. Um, yeah, we're talking about sex today. So welcome. And maybe if you're looking out the window, take a moment to enjoy whatever weather happens to be where you are and find some beauty in that and there's always something beautiful about wherever we live. And I think the desert versus the mountains versus the snow, like there's always something to be admired, which of mm. course is, I think pertinent to the way that we look at each other and yep. see that the differences between all of us are what makes it more interesting for us to know each other. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. Today we are going to talk about stories (laughs) and specifically talking about shame. And if we just think about, I don't know, I I was just thinking about for a minute about storytelling and how do we tell a story? And I know so often that I will catch myself as I've been, I don't know, I I think about this all the time. So I, I catch myself then because I think about it often, right? What we think about is, you know kind of shapes who we are and how we move in the world. And when I am telling myself a story, it's really interesting as I will pause sometimes and ask myself, like literally say the words, well, is that true? Mm. And it could be like the simplest thing. Like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I have something off the top of my head right now that you know, something that I say I can do or can't do or uh, the type of person I am or am not. And I find myself, because I ask myself that often, I it's interesting to me because when other people start to share their own beliefs about themselves, I, I, I enjoy saying, like, helping them, helping other people see that as well. Because it's, our beliefs about ourselves are are sometimes skewed by our own perspective and our own judgment and the culture that we've been raised in um, maybe just needs a broader lens. And so I think by asking myself that question saying, like, is that true? Like, is how I'm saying this story actually true? Because stories have power and we have the power to change our stories and what we believe about ourselves and about the world around us. And and I think that very much ties into into a conversation around shame and sexuality.
1: Yeah. And really just thinking about how <clears throat> in a given day, how many thoughts cascade through the mind. So many. And reminding ourselves, I remind myself this all the time that thoughts are just thoughts. They're not facts. So thoughts might be coming through my head at any given moment, but it's my choice to discern if that thought is going to benefit me, is it going to propel me moving forward or is it going to keep me stagnant and maybe in a spiral, like a shame spiral, for example. Mm. But that reminder that it's just a thought, like it's just a thought. Our mind is doing what our mind does and it's just like supplying us with different ideas and concepts and memories and ambitions, but none of them are facts. And so that, that discernment that we, we get to have that power for ourselves. Yes.
0: Yeah. And yeah. those thoughts. And I think that the importance of understanding that they're just thoughts or ideas um, is that they do have an effect on us. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that we recognize that our, our thoughts and our feelings and the way that we're interpreting the world affect the way that our body feels yep it's important because then we yeah. know that if we change those then it feels different and I would say even as I, I thought of an example when I say wow I am feeling so stressed mm. where did I see so this stress. a story I mean um I mean, people, I I actually, Esther Perel yesterday, as I'm, as we're talking, posted a post about, uh, shared a a thing on Instagram about stress, which I really appreciated. But just this idea of the story that I'm stressed. And if I Mm -hmm. sit down enough and say, okay, wait, like a stress in my body, stress is not necessarily like, stress is actually not a bad thing. Stress is like, there's, there's lots of varieties of stress that actually, are are helpful, but I so in really honing in and saying I feel stressed by the amount so I'm feeling a a certain amount of stress because my to do list is really long, and I'm feeling like I don't have enough hours in the day to get the things done on my list, and I have all this stuff, and I need to show up with my kids and yeah, and so that's the type of stress I'm particularly talking about. There's lots of ways we can talk about stress, especially as movement. Um, movement people their stress—that that is good too and um I think that's a story that I sometimes try to remember to slow down on and say are you actually stressed Bonnie <laughs> and and yeah. remember that I'm in charge like I get to choose what I'm doing and sometimes there's deadlines to hit and there's sometimes things that must be done and there's a lot of things that we sometimes choose like I don't know about you, but sometimes do you, do you ever stress about like housework? Um, yes. <laughs> right. But like, And then that's a funny one because like the housework never leaves. Like if you do the dishes, you're absolutely going to have to do the dishes again. And like, we're going yeah. to have to the laundry and, and wash the toilet again. So if we're feeling, this is like, if I'm feeling a level of stress about the state of my house, like I could, like I, I could choose to maybe release that a little bit because mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Like those things, they're going to yeah. stay there still. And so to kind of reprioritize the things mm-hmm. that I feel like are the must do's and say, wait a second, like slow down a minute. And I think for me writing out a list, I mean, now we're talking about work <laughs> stress for a moment, but this all leads into each other and, and saying, okay, what are the things that I actually need to do? How do I actually feel about these things? And And I think it does very much correlate with shame and this conversation that we're we're jumping into because it's about naming the things. Yeah well, things.
1: Like, yeah, I know. And to yeah. even like put that further in conjunction with shame, the conversation that you and I were having the other day, um for me, when I notice my levels of stress increasing in the context of what you're talking about, like getting things done. Um Mm-hmm. I always try to get really focused and clear on what it is that's making me feel this stress. And for me, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, it's productivity and I value my worth on productivity. And therefore at the end of the day, if I don't look back and see all these things that I've done, including like, Oh, I did dishes. I sent out my emails. I ha- spent time with my son. I practiced yoga. I taught it like all these things. I feel shame. And, Uh, It's interesting to where I can like trace it back to where like I somewhere along the line in my life, I was taught that productivity equals value and worth. And so if it's getting closer, like my son called me out the other day, it was like closer to like five o'clock and I was just Starting to get very short, lack of patience in our conversation, and he was like, "What is wrong?" And I'm like, "Max, it's already like five o'clock and da da da." And he's like, "Mom, you still have so many hours in the day." But I was starting to feel this like shame monster creeping up on me because my productivity Mm -hmm. levels weren't Mm -hmm. high for the day. For what? Who's measuring? Right? I like no one's measuring my productivity levels. What
0: is productivity?
1: Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we (laughs) talked about that. Yeah, and so it's just interesting to see. What is the catalyst what is what is making me feel this way? And um for me, yeah, it's that that shame that is will be present for me at the end of the day if I can if I look back at my day and I don't feel like I was as productive as I could be, yeah yeah
0: yeah oh I, I, I just like this and and we did have this whole conversation that I, I really enjoyed, and just this idea of we get to choose again, like it's so personalized, like your productivity, what your productivity looks like might look totally different than mine. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for shame. It's the same for, you know, what does success look like? What does success mean for all of us? And I think sometimes it's important for us to remember that other people have different definitions of other words, because we as human beings walk around the world in a judgment form from our perspective and values. Yes, and other people are not in our heads (laughs) and that is not what they think or believe or their struggles or their stressors or their shame or their sexuality or their gender or their like whatever the hell it is um it's important to remember um yeah and I think actually I want to jump on, on, I think using productivity is actually a really great lead into into talking about sex. Like what like what what is that checklist? Where you're like, wow, well, I haven't been productive. Now let's like layer that on top of sex. What mm-hmm. is it that is the story that means that sex was productive? And so often it is,
1: did you orgasm? Yeah. Or even I would just like to say, like, did it even happen at all? Like, mm. I have some friends that we're in a conversation with right now. And one of them is in kind of a moment feeling of shame because she's um, feeling a little bit of overwhelmed with work and um, being a parent and in just the global pandemic and the state of the world right now. And she is not in the mood. She's just not. And she is feeling so much shame around it because in her mind, she is not being productive as a partner. She is Mm -hmm. not showing up in the way that she feels like she should. And it was really wonderful to see her kind of process this and come around to this idea of giving herself permission to Mm -hmm. pause and be human. And knowing that, like, when we are in a sexual relationship and partnership with a person, it's equal, and that she doesn't need to be the one checking as like a checklist. Okay, great, had sex with partner, moving on. You know, get stuff done. It's like, no, it's okay to just take a pause. So I think it's like, yeah, did it even happen? Did you orgasm? Um, You know, was your partner? Did your partner have an orgasm? All of those things, I think could classify in was your sexual experience productive
0: right and and productive uh, successful yes yeah you know thrilling that like that's the the end goal and the story that is perpetuated often that 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 is what sex is or
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that that's what it is or that that's how you have to to show up. And I I really like that you brought in libido right now, because I think that's so true. And I know that when I've asked, you know, a large audience on on my Instagram polls of people who are, how's their libido doing? And this is, this is a lot, there's a lot in the world. and, And we talked about stress already, but there's a lot of stressors in the world and a lot of thoughts that are swirling and a lot of there's just a lot. And libido is definitely tied to some of those things. And, and I think the amount of news we consume and the amount of movement Mm -hmm. we get or don't get the, um, the connectedness we feel with our partners. And I would say directly like the shame stories that we like, they can all affect libido and that it's, it's okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and for some I want to acknowledge, yeah, and I want to acknowledge like for some bodies, like physical bodies, um mm-hmm. it's not safe right now in the world. Like depending upon your race, your ethnicity, um your gender, how you identify, it's not safe. And so some people's physical bodies are in survival mode and so acknowledging like that is going to affect how you show up in a sexual mm-hmm. relationship
0: yes and to allow it to uh, like allow yourself some grace there yeah permission evolve yes yes for sure I
1: forget yeah. who says this somebody says that they write themselves permission slips all the time oh, There is, and, and I, I I'm sorry like if, if somebody I'm forgetting their name and I feel really bad but they always write themselves like permission slips on sticky notes And Mm -hmm. place them like around their house for whatever they need in that day, in that minute, in that moment. So it's a visual, you can read it like I give myself permission to blah, 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 and write it out. Like you said, name it, put it out there, let it live outside of the body.
0: Yes, because if you name it, then it it doesn't have power over you and it normalizes those feelings and the experience that you have. And I really think that helps all of us feel less alone. Mm -hmm. When we feel so trapped in our head, like I'm always with myself, like all the time. (laughs) (laughs) This swirl, this inside Bonnie's head is like always there. And 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 so I think sometimes when I lay things out on paper, I'm like oh, okay, like how do I organize this thought actually and to name it and to say like the what, the why, the how, like kind of get in there a little bit. It, it makes it makes things make more sense and it kind of gives me this, this relief for sure.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but for me, it doesn't feel as big. Like sometimes like those larger feelings like shame or blame or guilt or fear, they feel sometimes they can take over my physical body Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. when I name it and that can look like writing it down on paper or sharing it with people that I feel really, really like trusting of that can meet me with empathy and understanding. I feel like those feelings all of a sudden become small and manageable in my physical body. And it's like, they're not thriving anymore.
0: Right. And I think I want to have acknowledgement there as well for, those feelings that you named, I would add grief to that as well. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I like there is a I mean, as much as joy takes over our body, right? When you feel in complete bliss, uh those other like the experiences of of fear and anger and grief, like all of those ones also take over your body. And so um, recognizing those and those states are Less enjoyable for me than joy is in my body, (laughs) and uh, allowing. But but I think you know it's really important to to allow yourself the process of that, and it is going to be highly individual, and it will affect your sexuality when you're in those different states, it will affect your mental capacity. It will affect your emotional capacity. It will affect the way that you can show up for other people and hold space for them and hold space for yourself. It will affect like your consciousness around eating and around moving your body. And and, yeah, be kind, be kind to yourself in those places.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. I want to jump back to uh, orgasming though
1: yeah um, well I'll say like
0: yay orgasm. um <laughs> <laughs> that's enjoyable and and um it is not the only thing that is enjoyable and what happens if instead of the story being a sex is productive and successful if people orgasm if we say sex isn't about the orgasm mm. And instead of, you know, we have like this, this, the story, perhaps we could have a story that says that performing well means that you are brought to orgasm, or you're able to bring a partner to orgasm. And that could be, there's other nuanced words of like, you help them, or they teach you whether there should be no responsibility on one person to like know another person's body. Which, you know, leads into a masturbation conversation, but we'll get there. And also this idea that if you don't get there, like that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that there is a a mismatch in chemistry. I would say not always. It could be, right? There you could have a mismatch in chemistry with, if you meet a person, you're like, Oh wow, I just like I don't have this this chemistry with the person and right. it's like a nice person. It seems like this should work, but I just am not feeling it with this individual. like that could totally be a thing. But it could also be, like you mentioned how your friend, like there's a lot of things in the world, and maybe somebody's processing something and their libido can't, they're not quite there. But if we take out the orgasm part and we just enjoy our bodies together.
1: Well, she did say I want to share this story. <clears throat> she did say that they ended up having like a all-out tickle fight. Um, just where they were laughing and just, I mean, she was like, by the end, we were out of breath and sweating and just, but there was no, no sexual, it led to nothing sexual, like nothing mm-hmm. at all. It was just like the old school, like that you would have with your siblings when you were little, like just like tickle fight, pillow fight, just, and she was like, it was so enjoyable and it almost gave me that same exhilaration Mm. and eliminated some of the stress that she was putting on herself Mm. in the sexual area. Like we can connect without Mm. it having to lead to sex or in this instance, without having it to lead to an orgasm. So Mm. eliminating that, because then ultimately if one or both partners don't have an orgasm, is that when the shame starts to fold in? Right.
0: And I like that you brought this up because I think that's a very good example of intimacy. Yes. And what I think that we all want is that feeling of intimacy with another person and intimacy can look like sex and orgasming and intimacy can look like bodies close together having an experience. It can look like you and I talking, you know, states away and sharing real, you know, thoughts and feelings with each other. Like, so yeah. intimacy is something I think we crave. And I think if we're speaking directly in this about, you know, kind of this this physical intimacy with another person, that examples like that, like those are things that they're gonna remember. They're gonna remember that. Oh like, I don't know, I I that just brings me a lot of joy. I'm just so over here like grinning. Yeah. <laughs> so, that just is so happy. Like there's like this this ease with that where there's mm-hmm. not a and they were just so present. You have to be so present to allow yourself to be in a tickle fight. And yeah. Pillow fight, you're so present. And that is intimacy. Intimacy is this presence that you give yourself and another person. And yep. like, that's such a gift. Like that is what, that's what we want. And so if somebody is is faking moaning, which is interesting. I have heard, um, you know, I've, I've heard uh some some men that I've talked to where they say they, they have shared their experiences where if they're trying to give you know some sort of pleasure to a woman and that then they this uh, the woman is is making sounds like they enjoy it, and then conversation mm-hmm. afterwards like it didn't it wasn't working well, the sounds were saying that they were sounding like that's what they enjoyed, and so then they were doing that, but then that's not actually what they wanted. And so then as there's this shame, even around that, where like, if you're faking it, is it because you feel shame to say something that you do or don't want because you're fearing that then that person doesn't want to be with you? If you have to. Say is, it. And yeah. that, you know, like, that's like a whole spiral and, you know, having to is again, like back to performance. Like, can we get rid of performing and actually participate?
1: yeah and it's even it's both ways like i mean what if you're making those noises because you want to prevent your partner from hitting the shame spiral because Mm -hmm. you know because what if they're like oh if i don't make this person feel good then i am less than Mm -hmm. and so it's like i mean shame is i think deeply tied to sexual experience in so many ways
0: yeah and should we i think then the, the other. question question for us all like have you ever apologized for not coming
1: oh yeah I have why (laughs) because for me it is like I'm so like I'm, I'm sorry it wasn't you it was me I was just in a different headspace um I just like taking all the blame because for some reason that was easier for me to handle than watching somebody else feel shame about mm. not being able to. And then it loops back to own your own orgasm. Like how we, I think we talked about this. We've talked, I think this has been like folded into many of our conversations, but um yeah, but I have totally apologized for not having an orgasm, even in the moment. Like, mm. like, and this is also some of my shame, like, when, for example, like a partner of mine has been going down on me and I feel like in my head, it's been longer than what is a quote unquote appropriate, which I'm like, what is appropriate for what's, what's a, you know, why are we, why am I measuring? Why am I measuring? Why, why? And then I was like, oh, it's okay. You just stop. Like it's, there's no point. Cause, cause I'm not going to get there or in these stories rather than just maybe shifting. Go letting it go or changing or asking for something different or switching it up or just, Mm -hmm. but completely calling it because I feel shame in that moment. Like, uh, does this person really want to be down there for like another five minutes?
0: Again, back to the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that
1: really true? That's not true. That's a thought that crossed, that, you know, passed across my mind. And because I was so vulnerable in a moment, that thought exploded in my head and it took over my whole body. And then it was like, I was frozen in that thought. Yeah. Which,
0: and and I think this is a a good, good example of of somebody going down on you, whether like, regardless of the gender there, it it doesn't matter. Like regardless of gender, if you like have those conversations, and afterwards, like talk about the sex afterwards. Be like, "Oh, I really liked it when you did this." Mm-hmm. And talk about the actual things. It will help you remember them. It will create more intimacy. Where it's a it's about the sexual experience, but then it's about the conversation afterwards. And outside of having, like, it can be within those moments, but it can be before and after too. To say, "Do you like? Do you really love going down on me? Is that like enjoyable for you?" And then to trust them yeah, and tend yep. to, to say, okay, you know, and if somebody <laughs> I was, I was with somebody and they were going down on me and I, I had this, I was like, Oh, I wonder like, I was like, Oh, this is, this is feeling good. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they're, they're going to keep going. What are they going to do? And I have had my own journey with, with allowing myself to surrender and to stop the stories in my own head over this past year especially of letting myself just be in that moment and that there's individuals that love doing that and yes there are for this person that I, I was with this one time where they came up and they said yeah I was thinking that I did just have the thought that I probably could do this for another hour. But then they were like, by my head. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like, I'm I, sorry, I got lost there for a minute. I was totally, yeah. I was totally lost. I was like, okay, great. And so by listening to the stories that partners are telling you mm-hmm. and trusting it and letting that like change, change the script in our head to say, oh, I can just actually let go here. Yeah, I don't have to perform it all. I don't actually have to get anywhere there. And and to have that conversation of they're actually and and this is an important piece of it as we're talking about shame that they are not and in this particular situation for myself even the conversation I had with this person where they're like I I'm not even expecting you to orgasm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: not why I'm there, and yeah. it's just yeah. purely for what can I give. And I enjoy this and you enjoy this and, and that's what it's about. And I think that changes the whole experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, 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 feel like we have a very similar experience in, in, in the instance of allowing ourselves to let go when somebody is going down on us. And I remember a partner saying, I feel so close to you when my head is down there. Like when I'm down there, it's like, I feel so close and intimate. Like, that's like the closest I can be, you know? Mm. And that hearing that was like, wow, they just want to be close to me. Mm -hmm. They just want to be like, you know, that feeling where you just want to like smoosh yourself together with somebody. (laughs) You're like, how do you get closer to me? Can we just like, and then, and, and that, wow, like, it's not, there's so many, it's, it's about so much more than what we, and I think this can tie into what we learn about sexuality, and how that starts from such a young age, like, what did we learn about it? what were we taught via like an individual or did we learn through movies or school or mm-hmm. friends? Um, but what were we taught about sex and what were we taught it was supposed to look like? And then when we fail in accordance to what we thought, then, then we are visited with shame.
0: Right. And I think bringing up the, those formative experiences with, with sex and learning about sex is shape Who we are and how we think about it, and so we have to look at that, and just like just like relearning and unlearning anything in our lives. Which I don't know if anybody else is paying attention in the world, but there's lots of opportunities for that. (laughs) And and, um, this is another piece of that. Like, how was sex introduced to you, and was it introduced as a shameful thing, and you know? in our society as as it has run especially here in our western world that um it has been largely organized by religious beliefs and mm-hmm. patriarchy and yep. you know different systems that there is Shame, a shame around sexual things and the way that people talk about it, the way that they teach children, like all those things, are are deep, and that is not innuendo. But <laughs> the, the sex is is often hidden mm-hmm. and not talked about, and not yeah. Heard. And
1: I think, and also I think a lot of times it's um, it's rooted in fear. A little mm-hmm. bit, you know, like oh, you don't do this until this age, or this is not for anybody else. It's all like there's this fear of what happens if I were to be with somebody else,
0: right? Um, and, and as a parent, fear of like oh man, if I talk about sex with my kids, then that means they're gonna have sex, right? She's probably gonna be the opposite, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> and actually, if they don't and they do. Then they're not going to know who to come to, and then if they like have, yeah. if they get an STI, we can you know talk about STIs. if they get an STI or if they um, get pregnant or if they're having abuse situations, how mm-hmm. are they going to know? And and it requires parents to do our own work, yeah, our own practice around. I like the word practice in this, but own practice around our own stories and our own shame and to actually talk about it ourselves. And, and you know, we're told, I know for me as, as a kid growing up Mormon, uh, sex is not talked about in within like church settings for sure. And I know in fifth grade, I had a lesson about it. Um, I remember we got like a little bag of like, tan or pads and i don't even know and deodorant, yeah. deodorant too and i know there was a, a lesson with all the girls in one room and the boys in the other room and then they had a group a group meeting and you know i the the, the thing i remember from all of that is this one girl in my class and her name was annika Hi, Annika. I remember you. (laughs) She's (laughs) like, oh, great. (laughs) No, and Mrs. Hutchinson was the health teacher, and she was the one talking. I remember Annika asked, she raised her hand and said, does, like, what does sex feel like? Mm. And does it feel good? And Ms. Hutchinson wouldn't answer her question. That's what I
1: remember. Yeah. And then immediately, what is your story that you took away from that experience? Sex shouldn't well, be talked about, or is it yeah. unknown? Should you be afraid of it? Like, I don't, I think I just,
0: like, the way that she said, I'm not going to answer that question, it seems like that's what you should answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: absolutely. This, this was sex ed. This was her, like, trying to, like, share things. And, and, and I think of, in in my own perspective now, as a mom of of I've been a mom of two fifth graders and almost three. And if a fifth grader was asking me, "Does sex feel good?" What is, as an adult, a something like that would like like be like waving at me in that kind of question? Like, if I answer this question and say it should feel good, then if this Individual who's asking this as a student who's a fifth grader, what experiences are they having outside of this moment that might be sexual in nature Mm -hmm. that might be leading to their shame or their stories in their own head that could be happening in their own life? And why can't we, as educators and adults, be like, sex should feel good? Because what if she's having sex? What's being described in the sex ed class as sex? And it's not feeling good. And this was an opportunity where she's like, oh, here's a safe place. Here's an adult who's talking about sex. I can ask if this feels good.
1: Yeah. And good for her for asking.
0: Right. Yeah. And and I don't know. I think it's <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that until this moment. But thank you, Annika, for adding to this, this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but this idea of of private parts and yeah. and I and what that's what we're told all the time that these are our private parts and, and we're not showing them. And then eventually it's like, okay, now you have a partner. Now go ahead and show them. And, and the shame around that because the story switches so quickly yeah. and I you know for my own experience, that is what it was having grown up and not being able to wear crop or a uh, uh, sleeveless shirts even. Right. I was like, no tank tops, cover your belly, like cover your body. And, um, that was definitely a story told to me. And then I got married and I was 20. And I remember, uh, I remember my husband at the time, then he was <laughs> we driving away from our wedding and he had accidentally grabbed my boob one other time, but I like had a padded of bra and I was like, I didn't feel anything. That was all pad. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, I didn't feel it. I know I know and I remember driving away we had just gotten married and he reached over in the car and just cupped my boob and I just like looked down <laughs> I still I had patted brown again but I was like oh, okay <laughs> okay <laughs> and, you know and so that's like the beginning of my experience where I was like you know, then we get to a hotel room, and then it's like, okay, I guess anything works here. But like the, there's, I mean, that, that's a whole other story that I'm not going to tell at the moment. But it's, yeah, I mean, I think there is more dynamic ways that we can share those stories and and teaching moments, with children yeah, and um, share about even the types of sex, and. Mm-hmm. Hand sex is sex too. Rather than saying don't have somebody touch your privates because that's like your space. Be like, well, you know, if somebody uses their hand, that's a type of sex. It's hand sex.
1: Yeah, I remember you and I talking about this. Mm -hmm. About a year ago, um, one of your children was going through a sex education class and that was something that you said. You were like, wow, and they even talked about hand sex and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Like that is, I love that. Mm. And it's just giving everyone all the information. Like I sit there and I'm like, as parents, that's what our job is, right? Is to supply our children with information so that they can live an educated life as far as not education, as far as like, oh, going to high school and college, but just like live life education. And so why are we withholding on something that's probably one of the most like largest areas in our life that we focus on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, um, it reminds me of that quote that I shared. And I, I think it's a good point to put this in because it taught just sharing about education at an early, early age. But that quote from Brene Brown, where she says, shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection Damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. Mm. And so I just love that idea of eliminating the shame, any kind of blame or fear from those conversations that we have with our children's and you don't even have to be a parent. Right. So like in right. that instance, this woman was an educator and she had an opportunity to share with children of our future. Um, and it really can, I love the quote. I love where it says damage the roots from which love grows. Mm. And if we're really truly wanting people to have sexual relationships that are rooted in trust, and communication and love, we have to create strong roots, a strong system within that human body, that person.
0: Yes. Which is both aimed at the self and at the relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: yep. And Mm -hmm. I just, to circle back what you said, I thought it was so important. We have to unlearn our story if necessary, let me preface that, that we were taught about sex so that, you know, so it's a clear, we're not perpetuating that same cycle to our children or into our relationship. Like it's the practice Mm -hmm. of why am I doing this or why is this coming up for me only in these moments or, um, you know, where is my work in this situation? If this is, this is a habit that's continuing to pop up for me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I I think too,
0: as far as like being a parent right now, as well for me. Well, right now and like <laughs> forever.
1: Yeah, I was like and, are you planning to stop? <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: so you and I are both we both parent, um, we both, both parent, and we are both really open about sex and sexuality, sensuality with our children and. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to me too to to help my children understand that they need to keep asking questions too. Because I might say like, "Wow, I'm a pat on the back, Bonnie. Like you are really like saying the things and talking about things with your kids way different than what your parents did. You love your parents. You're grateful for your upbringing. But I'm, you know, grateful that I'm sharing these things with my kids. But to not be so naive to also think just because I am forthright in sharing my experiences or language or words or questions, like they are going to have their own experiences. And part of my opportunity as a parent is to encourage them to keep asking questions and to keep like doing that practice for themselves and not just relying on me and making sure that I listen to them as much as I'm trying to share information with them because it's it's going to be a lot about the listening part and and letting them like sift through things and encouraging them to do so and not just hide it because the hiding of it makes it shameful. So if I can provide a space where we don't have to hide things and that doesn't mean that they won't feel shame because we also live in a culture, right? Mm, we live I was in just going to that. Culture right that that does say different things than maybe i say at home and so they will have their own processes as well
1: they will and hopefully they will be able to come back to you and be like hey mom i heard this and what does it mean or mm-hmm. i experienced this with a friend or you know i experienced this at school and yeah. what does it mean Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting, like my son, I can't remember when this was a couple years ago. Maybe it was he was in seventh grade, but he was sharing, he came home from school and he was like, Yeah, mom, he's like, Can we have a conversation about like the word like slut? And like some kids at school were calling this this girl that word. And he was like, Is it is it a bad word? Is it like what does that mean? Is she having sex? Like, what is like, what does it mean when, and why are we doing that? Like, why, you know, like, what was going on? And it was just interesting because after talking about it, this person was sexually active, and I think, I mean, I experience I experienced it in my school with other people, but that same name calling when you find out that somebody else is sexually active in your grade and maybe you're not or um they are more than you this name calling this exclusion this dehumanization of Mm. you're less than because you're doing this Mm. and so just to circle back like no matter how hard we try as parents like they're going to experience stuff that enforces that shame or that fear or that um guilt or any of those emotions around sexual experiences Mm
0: -hmm. and for us to be able to hold space for our kids in their process of that like we have to be doing our own practice of Mm -hmm. of our own our own places Mm oh okay there is i i i've started making a list of things i'm like oh my gosh i want to talk about this and this there's so many shame places i actually want to jump to um this idea that uh people might be feeling shame when they feel like they are in a body that's considered masculine and they feel more feminine oh, okay. and then and if somebody is in a body that is identified as a, a female body so like a her her like she she her identifier and and might be feeling more masculine and this the shame that individuals might feel around the things that they that they like to express. And they're like, okay, well this is how a quote unquote man acts and feels. And then somebody else is like, oh, this is quote unquote how a woman acts and feels. And I think I just want to acknowledge this. We can we can dive into this as much as we want, but I want to acknowledge this this idea that we are way more than one thing (laughs) right and that i mean we have talked often about this idea of masculinity and femininity and the way that those terms have been problematic and um caused harm to people uh, in regards to like calling a a person one or the other but this is the idea of like energetic sort of sort of ideas of masculinity and femininity which live within all humans and that everybody has their own relationship with the balance of that within each of us and for maybe somebody who identifies as a as a as a man and who also feels like they're very in touch with the feminine side this i have had several conversations i would say specifically in regards to that particular particular vein with uh, men who feel like that process around like I'm I like share my emotions Mm -hmm. and feelings and like this is these are things I think about and it seems like it's off-putting for for women or or people who are female identifying because this is also who I am and and this idea that, like, why as as female-identifying folks, and my like including myself then in that, what is this idea of what a man is, and how they must act, and and is that, like, how do we make ourselves invite? How do we invite ourselves to examine the story that we tell ourselves about what? a man or a woman or masculinity or femininity or whatever terms you would like to use in, in regards to, to this, I'm, I'm speaking very much. I, I understand about the binary at this moment, but um, this is where, this is where I'm coming at it. So I clarification with that. And, and just what stories do we tell and how do we expand those stories? How do we invite other people to really, to embody themselves and mm-hmm. and allow that to be bigger than one idea,
1: just allow them to be in their personhood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I also think a lot of our society, we very much like to put things in boxes because it's mm-hmm. easier to digest. It's easier to carry around. It's easier for us, and I say us is like just everybody in general, right? to keep it at that surface. Right. So, I mean, I think like when you were speaking, I was thinking, yes, like there have been experiences in my life where mainly at the workplace, um, years ago, where I remember specifically working with a person who identified as a man, um, but was, I guess you could say very much in touch with their femininity. And so many people across the board were so quick to be like, Oh, well that person must be gay. There's no way they're not. Like, there's no way. Like, it was almost like this mind blowing concept that this person could just be a person and that need to put them in, like, what you were saying, like that binary label and neatly put them in a box. So it was okay to be like, oh, it's okay. I can interact with that person if I can put them in the box of being gay. Or, but if I don't put them in that box, it's going to take more effort on my part to actually see them as a whole, as a person. Mm -hmm. And, that's just too much work. So I'm going to put them in the box and then go on my way. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah. yeah. I've had, I've had that. And,
0: and I've, I've dated uh, a couple men who, who have had that experience uh, who are, who are experienced by other individuals as saying, Oh, you're, you're gay or men hitting on them when they are not gay and not interested in men and happen to like this is just who they are this is how they enjoy being in the world this is how they process things i've also been with men who are very much the opposite of that but i don't know i, I just i guess want to like hand a heart for for these individuals who are experiencing this shaming from other people. And I think you're absolutely yeah. right with, with this idea that, oh, well, I'll just put you in a box. And this is how, this is how, this is who you are. And this is how you'll be. And I think, yeah. And and like the shame levels that can come with that, be like, oh, well, for these individuals who I have had, you know, private conversations with about this, where they feel like women don't like me or I I can't be this or I like the the frustration that's in them. and, And I and I've had these conversations with people, private conversations on Instagram and within person with With other individuals, not all of those have I, you know, been in partnership or or dated or anything. Just that's it's happened. I've had those conversations, and so I think, yeah, just some grace.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate you taking that opportunity to name it. Um, I think it's also a lot harder for me to speak to it because I don't have that lived experience in my physical body, mm-hmm. um, and so. I appreciate the opportunity of naming it and then also like creating space for other people to possibly in the future, share their stories. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't have a, a specific lived experience to share.
0: Yes. Yes. And I guess I, I almost want to give it as a call, like share this as like yeah. an invitation, not a call, but I like get an invitation for maybe those, those individuals who are um, female identifying bodies who are attracted to male identifying bodies and to maybe open up their idea of what they think mm. is. Yeah. And, and this idea that a man is, is one specific thing and, and kind of like a call in and say, well, are you one specific thing? Like, am I one specific thing? And I'm a, I'm a whole lot of things. I'm, I'm very much <laughs> the masculinity that I carry within my own self. Yeah. and If I am allowed And if I think I'm the shit and, you know, I'm going to bring all my things, then can I allow somebody else to do the same thing? And and this invitation, I think I'm calling out for, for, you know, female identifying bodies to allow for more nuance from men and men identifying folks and, and to invite all of those pieces and still see them as a valuable, strong, potent human being.
1: Yeah, and I would also say vice versa. Those male-identifying humans out there, if you are in a partnership with a female-identifying person and they present more masculine qualities, absolutely, um, allow them that individuality and that personhood and let them show up as a whole, rather than back to just like, let's stop putting people in boxes that they don't need to be in.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's like, and like it helps, I think, that invitation to allow people to show up, it, it, it destroys the shame stories that we all carry. Yep. And so it helps us heal together.
1: Mm. Yeah, okay. because I feel like, yeah, if we do share our, our personhood, right, and it's not met with empathy or understanding or compassion or love or celebration, then mm-hmm. it can easily just become one more piece of that shame story. and we're less likely to share again or we're less likely to open Mm -hmm. up again because we're like oh well I did last time and I was not met with with what I needed and so it's just safer for me to keep that inside
0: yeah Yeah. yes
1: yeah Mm,
0: okay I'm gonna jump to another thing on my list because I love
1: that you have lists (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I'm like, oh, how do I? Can we can we squeeze all these things in? And that's what she said. Okay. Um, you are
1: so good um, at the innuendos.
0: Um, well, okay. So our last episode, we were talking about orgasm and sporting. and I think mm-hmm. sporting, and we did touch on this. But I think as this conversation, especially about shame and sexuality, to bring that up again and say, sex is messy. Yep. And I'm like, there's fluids. There's like noises and fluids and sweat and like that's kind of part of the territory, and squirting in particular. I heard a story from a friend the other day where uh, a friend who was a man and male-identifying person who was with a, a woman, and this woman had never squirted, and they said they'd asked this person if they um, wanted to squirt. And this woman said, Oh, I, I don't think I, I can. And, th- and this person said, I think I can help you.
1: And-, mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then my friend, he, he helped her squirt and it was the first time she'd ever done it. And so I just heard this story and, and she, he's like, you there was there's like whatever there was like I mean she was in bliss and he was like does this feel good she's like it feels so good and I'm so sorry I'm I'm so sorry oh my gosh this felt so good and she's like in like pleasure and also apologizing she was doing both Mm -hmm. at the same time and then at the end it's just like oh my gosh what just happened to me and um yeah. So for those of you who might not have listened to the squirting and orgasm podcast, you can go back there and we talk about a little bit more into squirting. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So like, that is a, is a good, I think example of like, it's messy. And I think as, as female bodies, you know, of like, okay, like, are, are we going to, how much are we letting somebody go down on us? How messy are we going to make it? Should I be queefing right now? Should I, you know, like all these shoulds? Yeah. And if if I'm squirting, then it's going to be messy. And for it for farting during sex, like farting <laughs> <laughs> during sex, especially if
1: it smells bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like oh, shit. literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh god. And you know what? But it's all part of, even around that, like even around, let's even talk about that, like farting in relationships. Mm -hmm. I've had people that are in relationships, like mutual acquaintances that have been in relationship for almost two years and won't fart or poop around their person Mm -hmm. because they don't want to look less than perfect or less than like ideal sexually. Mm -hmm. Like the person's not going to be attracted to me if I poop and fart and this yeah. like idea of like who planted that seed like where did that come from but it happens it's there
0: uh-huh. yeah
1: I so have... if you're carrying that story right if you're carrying that story and then you actually accidentally <laughs> fart or poop I mean who knows I wasn't saying that like we're actually pooping
0: <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't actually talking about pooping on the bed but you know that that's a thing for some that people could...
1: Yeah. And that could could happen. I mean, you don't know. Yeah. Great. Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, and I guess if we, if we talked about anal, like then there is. is And
1: when
0: I, when I was having my first baby, I had heard stories. So this is like, let's talk about poop for a minute. I had heard stories that my, I remember some family members telling stories about how this aunt had had a baby and she pooped when she was having a baby. And it was a story Mm -hmm. so often. And Taylor, as a doula, you're just like, well, yeah, of course, like everything's just like coming out. This was my first baby. (laughs) The story is that like how disgusting it was. Mm. And for me going into delivery, I was trying to push and I was trying not to poop.
1: And yep. Can, I was just gonna say how many? Yep. There's so many birthing parents that that is this story in their head. Don't look. Don't look. I don't want to poop. Or don't like to their partners. Don't don't put. Don't 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 be down there because what if I poop or don't. Uh-uh-uh. And as a birthing parent, that takes you out of the experience. Uh huh. And
0: and I didn't realize you know and I think I would I felt shame like uh, after I gave birth to my first child and. And the you know my, my my child's dad was like oh yeah you, you totally pooped and I was like what like I felt shame in that and then it was subsequent and then it was mm-hmm. like two, two births after this and I was like nah this is what we're gonna do was like I don't care like yeah. this is how the body works but there was definitely shame in that so speaking directly of like. Yeah pooping and, and in embracing that and, and like jumping back to like our our bedtime here, like squirting and um, the messiness and smells like,
1: like well, I'll be super honest. I was so afraid to try anal for the first time because that was my biggest fear. I was going to poop on my partner. And that was what I kept saying. Like, am I going to poop? I don't want to poop on you. I don't want to poop on you. And even (laughs) during the process, I asked, did I, am I poopy? Like, am I poopy? Like I was so not in the moment because I was like checking back in. Is it poop yet? Like, is it poop? Is it is it happening? Like I was so terrified. And this person was like, I'm going to need you to actually relax. Like, <laughs> and, and, and I remember them saying, if it happens, it's okay. It happens. Like, mm-hmm. let's just break okay. it down. What part of the anatomy are we going to right now it might happen it might not exactly like you know what's going on but I just find it so funny because even during the act itself I was like is there poop like so concerned Mm -hmm. but it was like why why would that I mean I get it it's messy like all the things but other than that like like you said that person that partner was very well aware very well aware
0: it was a dark room and you were like I know Just like they won't even know that this is my my vagina
1: (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna know (laughs) yeah Yeah. and so but it's like so Mm. then you sit there and you go yeah it's just like (sighs) it's okay. so hard I was about to say a very like hyperbolic statement but like it's so hard but it's like can we just try to remove shame away from our bodies our fluids when like I mean all the time and specifically in sex like yes yes <sighs> I'm going
0: to bring up there's an Instagram account called UC Logic like Y-O-U-C-S-E-E-L-O-G-I-C. Mm-hmm. This individual has been speaking about shame and uh, there was some conversations around masturbation they were sharing and and on Instagram it says, speak it to the universe. Mm. And you can say this, you could, what she's saying, like talk about masturbation, you can put anything in this. Talk about it in your mind and out loud with positivity and openness. And if you maintain the problematic mindset it's going to take you so much longer to get through it. And then the homework mm. that she added on here was homework is what are your values around sexual pleasure and who gets to experience it?
1: Ooh, I love who gets to experience that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is when like, I think all of us need to own our shit and be like, Oh, look how amazing I am. Like who mm-hmm. should I let experience this? We're not just like, throwing it everywhere unless that's also what you want to do, right? Then own it, yeah. Like just own it. Like whatever it is, like be conscious about it. Yeah. And if you're conscious about it, then that will I I I believe will help overcome that that shame cycle. If we're like, okay, I'm consciously going to choose this. This is my what and why. Okay, ready, let's go. And whatever it is, mm-hmm. like you. you do. Um,
1: yeah. And shame around masturbation is a huge thing. Like mm-hmm. I think that's something a lot of people are unpacking as they reach into their adulthood. Um, And I think it's just something because, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else. I can only speak for me. But when I was growing up and masturbating, it was always done secretly, like, and not that I'm going to go out and like I'm in my living room in front of my family, <laughs> but like, it was just like hide in my closet kind of thing. Um, make sure like I knew what everybody in the house was doing, you know, so it's like, I could keep tabs on what is everybody doing? So I knew like, okay, good. I have, I have like 10 minutes of like, I can go in my room and do this. And, um, and it was just, it's it's interesting how it's talked about even amongst my friends when I was growing up. We all knew it. We all played this game growing up where it was like truth or dare. And we'd be like, oh, I dare you to like rub your vulva. At the time we were saying like vagina or whatever um, mm-hmm. on this pillow for like 10 seconds. Right. We all knew. Oh, okay. After a certain amount of time, friction takes over. <laughs> and then I feel amazing. <laughs> like I get this surge in my body. But instead of just being like, "Hey, do you do this too?" We had to make a game of it. We had to play truth or dare, and of course, it was the only thing we all wanted to do when we would sleep over. We'd be like, "Do you want to play that game, truth or dare?" Sure. Uh, Like, (laughs) let's play this game. (laughs) We have to play this game. Um, And eventually, we started talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we. Oh, it was like so excited Friday night sleepover with my friends. I will rename. I will. They will remain nameless. But um I haven't asked their permission (laughs) yeah I have not asked their permission to share this um so I will share it from my perspective but I remember just being so excited to play this game so excited to have that experience and also so excited to share it with somebody like because it was so secretive in the past and it was all done in secrecy then to now have it like a glimpse of being shared experience with another person like there's somebody else out there that does this and and what if we could do this together like just it was just this connection I wanted to connection and I wanted to know that I wasn't alone and it was part of my process of unshaming masturbation Um, because eventually we ended up having a conversation and being like why don't we play this game like if you want to rub your pillow or your vulva on that and I want to do that like let's just do it and then we can watch movies and eat candy after
0: I got kind of a this visual of like you getting together with your girlfriends, sleep overnight, everybody's like riding their pillows in a circle. You're just like <laughs> <napping> up. <laughs> yeah. I mean it
1: was like but it was so great because I was like, wow, this yeah. is and now as an adult with my my own mind, like being able to look back at that, I was like, wow, I was unpacking the shame that I carried around masturbation. And yeah. And I'm not saying right now, please go encourage your children to go like masturbate with their friends. Like, no, (laughs) it was just, this is my lived experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: This is my lived experience and it benefited me Mm -hmm. and, um, in a way that worked for me. So, and it was all also like, this was like, what, like 1990. So things were like way different (laughs) than they are now. Like, so just want to name
0: that. And I think, you know, kids are highly sexual. And I think yeah. you could call it highly sexual. I would also say they're highly curious uh-huh. and, I think mm-hmm. sexuality and curiosity really must go together. And I think it's like the playfulness that we approach things like we, I mean, we got to be way more playful. Like this is mm-hmm. like my goal it was like, how can I approach yeah. This thing playfully. Okay, I have this list. Like, let's jump back to the beginning. Like, I have this list. I'm really stressed out. Okay, wait. How do I play with this? How do mm-hmm. I find some ease in this? Right. And and the kids are already like, ooh, I'm super present. Whatever I'm doing is what I'm doing. I'm not thinking about anything else. And ooh, let's explore this. And it's really Oh short. yeah.
1: And it's fun. It's playful. I can't tell you how many times Max is like, my son, let's have a dance party. And I'm like, oh do I really like in my mind I'm like I'm writing this email or something and it's just kind of like or the email can wait probably five minutes and Mm. we can put on this song and dance and I will be so happy and excited and adding more playfulness into my life
0: yeah yeah so I think that's a big part of of helping de-shame things is like let's play like let's just have this be an experiment Mm -hmm. yeah look at it that way um yeah. okay and talk I'm to kids to... about masturbation just do it, yeah. just, do it. <laughs> just do it just do it like make it easy and I would even say like I remember when I was a kid I was we had our laundry room and I remember walking around the corner I'm going to show the story as a, as a story of like just do it just like own it I think as a, as a parent if you're gonna talk to your kids I remember I walked around the corner in the laundry room and my dad was downstairs in the laundry room finding some clothes and he was butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> I walked around the corner and he was standing there naked. I got a view of him. I was like, there's my dad and he's naked and it was not his ass. Um, and he was like, Bonnie! And he like covers up his, his his dick and then he like turns sideways and I was like, oh my gosh! And I go, I go out, right? And so his like like this idea of, you know, do we let our kids see us naked? And like, I mean, there are some families where you're like, whatever, I'm walking around, it doesn't matter, right? So there's a lot of variety with that. yeah regardless, like, I mean, it was a little bit of a shock for me. That's the only time I've seen my dad fully nude. Um, And, you know, obviously something I remember. But I think part of it was I remember because he was so shocked as well. Mm. Then I think Mm -hmm. kids, something they do as far as like my body goes and they're like coming towards me or like I can hear them like walking through my room and I'm in my bathroom I'm like just so you know I'm naked like oh I do the
1: same thing too yeah like, like letting them know. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> like this is what you're gonna get if you keep coming and <laughs> and even if like somebody walks in and I'm naked I'm just like like it, like our our response to somebody else of us mm-hmm. um it, it can be a trigger of their they're feeling shame
1: yeah
0: it's our feeling shame and so
1: and it just yeah. goes back to communication you know mm-hmm. I mean, we're all living in a house I mean I can't tell you how many times yeah I can hear Max coming down the hallway and I'll be like hey bud I'm absolutely naked in here if you still want to chat totally cool with me but you're gonna see all the things like
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just saying no. yeah and I guess I I'm want to like <laughs> okay cool <laughs> I want to jump to I usually uh, walk away okay. He'll walk by. He won't come in. <laughs> he'll
1: be like, "Well, mom. <laughs> he'll just be all like, 'All right, I'll talk to you in a minute.'" Like, <laughs> I know, I know. I'll like well. "Okay, you're jumping. Where are we jumping?" <laughs> okay, I'm
0: gonna jump. I'm gonna jump to another thing. So, because I know that we're gonna wrap this up, but the yeah, um yeah. I'm going to jump because I think in in lieu of curiosity and. And children being like having this playfulness and this ease, um, I think. um, And then also this idea of, of, you know, name calling of slut and things like that. Like all that kind of like stems into, again, like these formative experiences. And some of those experiences might be visualizing, being able to visually see other people, which, you know, this is kind of our conversation right now too. And thinking about the shame that sometimes exists. In people's bodies around how their genitalia looks. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have shared, I think it was the last episode, I don't know, we have, we have shared before about your experience, I think it was last, the last one, about your experience getting your vulva photographed and, mm, and about, because yeah. you, you did share that whole experience. So if anybody wants to hear that, you can jump back to that, but just the differences between the way vulvas look vulvas look and the differences between the way dicks look and it can look like they're all so different they're so different and I am I'm grateful I guess I'd say for those individuals those artists who are taking the time whether it's for somebody's somebody who's a cock owner or somebody who's a vulva owner to use like a variety of models Or experiences to
1: portray
0: the genitalia, because in in the many varieties it shows up.
1: Yeah, and representation matters, especially when we're growing up, and even as adults, representation matters. Mm -hmm. And so, when you're looking through, in this instance, the one I experienced, it will be an art show, Um, and being able to walk around a room and see the many different ways a vulva can look. And as a vulva owner, that's really profound. And, and it just normalizes the fact that everybody kind of exactly how we started this conversation, everybody is different and what an opportunity it is for us to get to know another individual.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, and I think for anybody who's feeling a particular shame around that and, I mean, I know there is there is surgeries that vulva owning people get to change the size of your vulva. Like that exists in the world, which is sounds pretty intense to me. And that's a lot of high sensory kind of opportunities for your vulva that are being chopped up as well. But then that also could go into a conversation around circumcision for men, for for penis owners. And then, you know, then we could also take this as a conversation of uh plastic surgery which is so nuanced and there's lots of different things about that as well and I think a conversation around body size and health in regards to sexuality and I think all of it like as as kind of I mean this conversation I think can last for a long long time yeah as we continue <laughs> like all the things like our list could just keep growing we could talk about cheating and cha- shame oh of my god cheated on, or the shame of somebody cheating, um, that would be
1: something. Um, there, <laughs>
0: there's so many things. You know,
1: maybe we can do like a part two in a couple weeks, like shame and vulnerability part two, because I didn't even think I remember we said we would probably talk about that, and we haven't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And and I I made this note because I think we had talked about a short list and, and just people, you know, I guess to touch briefly, there's like on cheating was like somebody not feeling like they know, knew how to ask for what they wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, I was reading, actually, I was, I was like, why did I make this note? I was reading, there's somebody who posts in their stories and reposting other people's kind of shares and, and how somebody felt bad for cheating because they didn't know how to ask for what they wanted. And yeah. so it went elsewhere to feel seen and heard and respected and sexy, but then it still just ended up in like this other circle. And so this process that they've had, you know, overcoming that and and Esther Perel is somebody that I would recommend for, for people to pay attention to. And she talks a lot about about this as well and and just de-shaming it. Like even even cheating. And that is a really big one and causes a lot of harm and is includes a lot of different experiences and thoughts and feelings. And I no way want to make that feel like a small thing. It's very individual and individual to to one person and to a couple and working with uh, with therapists and trained individuals for that is if if the relationship is going to continue or even if it's not, and there's going to be separation that like that will be really helpful in those situations. But also examining shame, is there shame that's going to come around that? So all of, there's so many ways of looking at this and I, and I want to just share again, like about Brené Brown. I, I really love Brené Brown's work and the way that she talks about shame especially as a way that you don't feel like you belong and you are unlovable. And if you're feelings, if you're feeling those ways, like that's, that's a way that shame can,
1: can show up. Yeah. She actually says uh, shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we are not good enough.
0: mm. Mm. And I think for you and I, Taylor, like this is why we're doing this podcast is ultimately actually like this whole podcast could just be like titled like shame and sexuality. I think this whole entire series mm-hmm. is, we're speaking life into stories and saying like, that's just what it is. It's okay. Like it's okay. You yeah. long and, and it's going to be okay.
1: It's very much going back to like, when we share our stories with people we trust and we're meted with that we're greeted, sorry, we're greeted with that empathy and understanding that shame can no longer thrive. And Mm. I feel like for me personally, like I trust you very much. And so I know that whatever is said here and in every conversation that you and I have, I will be met with love and compassion and empathy and understanding. And that gives me the courage.
0: Yeah. 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 And for those of you who are listening if you do not feel like you have a safe space to set down your thoughts and feelings with another person you have yourself and very much like the uc logic account that that snippet i read was say it out loud say it out loud to the room write it down don't let these shame stories own you and i think you know maybe if by hearing mine and taylor's experiences and our own stories around shame, maybe it will inspire you to find places where you're like, Oh, wow, I didn't know I had shame in that space. And I was actually holding that in my body and our body talks like we there is like yeah. a release that comes if we can release some shame. There's more playfulness, there's more ease, and more allowance and, and just permission to just show up in the world. And, and like, that is like, I don't know, Taylor, I think I think that's our goal. It's like, let's be, yeah. be able to be whole people here and, and not apologize, not feel like we have to apologize for anything.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely not. Just can we show up in our whole personhood and share with the world exactly who we are and exactly what we're feeling and let it be okay, because it is okay. And we are enough as the person that we are we're whole and complete. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yay. Okay. Oh, thank
0: you everybody for listening. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, Thanks for examining your own stories right alongside of us. And we're all just going to keep doing this practice together.
1: (laughs) Make it as fun. We're in it together
0: as as possible. (laughs) thank you so much for getting your sexy on with me today. Hearing what you loved, what you learned, what you're going to share with your lover makes me so damn happy. You can jump on my weekly sexy Sunday email. You can find that link in the show notes and we can connect through there. And it would super turn me on if you left a rating and review about how much this podcast is giving you life. Until next time.